it's sort of like it, all of life is just one big conversation. It's never going to stay on one topic forever. And the more you stay on one topic, the duller and lifeless it gets until you're eventually forced to move on to the next one. Welcome to Ready, Set, Impact. I'm Aliyah Legg, a rising fourth year industrial engineering major, and I'm the director of media on TEDx Georgia Tech. And my name is Bhagumi Gupta. I'm a rising second year and also an industrial engineering major. Here at TEDx Georgia Tech, I'm the director of community, and we're your hosts. TEDx Georgia Tech is an entirely student-run, independent chapter of TEDx here at Georgia Tech with the goal of creating platforms for people to share their ideas with our communities. And we're excited to use this podcast to create another platform to discuss and share new ideas and create an impact. This week, we have Uchenna godwin Ofor joining us to talk about discovering his passions for storytelling. I am personally so fascinated by all the different um, storytelling mediums there are, just there's so many. And I know we're going to talk with Uchenna about animation, but before we talk with him, my personal favorite is um, writing, specifically novels. Um, I've loved to read for as long as I can remember. It probably has something to do with the fact that my mom's an English t- teacher. So like talking about like metaphors and some symbolism was like our dinner conversations. But I especially love that they can be, there's such so many different genres and whether it's the crazy fantasy with like magic involved or just like the kind of cheesy romance, realistic fiction or the ones that are more like historical fiction, more based on true events. Um, people can relate to them and draw meaning and emotion from them. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think there's something there's something out there for everyone, right? Um, so I agree with that. But for me, I think for me, I think since childhood, I've always really liked like word of mouth or verbal storytelling in the sense that I loved like sitting down with my grandparents and hearing um, just stories about their childhood or stories about um, experiences they've had. Like I can always remember one of my favorite stories uh, since growing up was like how my parents met and uh, how they ended up getting uh, married and everything. And I think those, it seems like very small and I don't think a lot of people think of that as storytelling more as just sort of uh, sharing your experiences. But I think they always have the most lasting impact on yourself. And I'd, I also like to think that it's such an old technique of storytelling, like ancestors have done it and it's sort of come down. So I, I feel kind of, I've always thought of it in that sense. Yeah, I agree. I think that just like conversations, conversational stories are so, I guess they're, they're really different from any other form. And I, you kind of just reminded me in a book I'm reading or just finished, I can't remember which one it was in, one of the characters said, he was talking about another character that was like just very dull. And he said that he did not give us the convenience of emphasis or Mm. no, the convenience of exaggeration because he was talking about just how like this guy's story was so dull. But when we want to make our stories interesting, we add er, exaggeration and embellishment. Um, So even though that they're true, we add on little things to make them more interesting. So I think too, that plays a big role and like just kind of, stretching the truth a little bit in some stories <laughs> just to make them a little bit more interesting or make them more impactful. Um, yes. All that being sure. said, it's time to learn more about Uchenna's favorite form of storytelling and how he found his passion for it. So let's start talking with him. Joining us today is Uchenna Godwin Ofor. He's a rising third year computational media major at Georgia Tech. At Tech, he's part of the Technique the Yellow Jacket Roller Derby, Computational Media Ambassadors, and GT Smash Jackets. 
He also has the ability to clap with one hand, and he has a passion for animation and storytelling. Uh, hi, Chenna. Thanks for being here with us today. How are you doing? Hey, I'm I'm really excited to be here right now. I'm I guess I'm doing okay right now. There's a lot going on in our country, but I'm generally fine. Um, so to jump right into it, how did you discover your passion for storytelling? I really discovered this passion in high school, and it was it was by my my high school French teacher. He would every single class is like rather than starting off with French, he would just start off telling him telling us any story. This could range from him talking about when he was in his own high school when he was a kid in Kansas, all the way when say he just recently came back from traveling in Spain or Italy, talking to people over wine or bread in France. It was most of the time I thought they were far-fetched because I wouldn't believe that someone like him would be able to know all these languages and stories. So he proved us wrong and proved me wrong, undoubtedly, by telling us a different one every single day. And what he prided himself in these stories was that he, he really wanted us to spread our own stories and to branch out from our own little comfort zones, if you'd call them. So that really that helped me find a passion in giving a piece of myself to other people so that I can learn more not only about myself, but about the world around me. I think that's so cool to think about it, not just in terms of, oh, I want to be a storyteller, but I want to also yeah. help other people be a sto storyteller. Like, I've honestly never thought about it that way, but I think it's so cool that to you, like, you just explained it as kind of a mutually beneficial system where everyone can benefit from each other if you are just willing to, like, step outside your comfort zone and share part of your story in exchange for another. I think that's a really cool way of thinking about it. So I guess talking about you as a storyteller, what do you prioritize in your own storytelling? Usually when I either tell a story or I draw something or I, or I try and animate things, I want to leave the audience with something like just big about that animation or, or story. I want them essentially to leave wherever I just told them the story with something clinging in the back of their head that they'll remember for days on to come. Rather than just saying, oh, that was another story. I guess it was nice. I want them to critically think about it, make them, make them feel uncomfortable in a sense about it. Uh, an example I could use is that there's this one manga that I started reading. And in the story, it's about how this family goes hiking on this mountain. And it's like two families. So like a mother and her family, and then her sister and their family. One one of the mother's children trip over a branch and fall. So the mother rushes over to see if the kid's okay. But mind you, this kid is like 17. So he still finds it a bit awkward for his mother to be overprotective over him. So the entire family ridicules the mother for that. So after that, and they keep hiking, the mother decides to take her son and her nephew to like the further reaches of the mountain that they're going. And they reach a cliff. And when they reach that cliff, that mother and her child get to the edge and the nephew starts saying, hey, that's a little too close. Maybe we should step back. So the mother calls the nephew over to the edge so they can like talk about it and like sit on the edge of the cliff dangerously. Don't know why the nephew went forward, but the nephew, <laughs> the nephew continued towards the cliff and the mother pushed the nephew off of the cliff in an attempt to kill him. Now, this was weird because why would anyone do this? It wasn't like this was a motive of hers to kill that person. But as soon as she pushed the nephew over, the son was paralyzed in fear. And not at the fact that the mother pushed the son, the son, the nephew over the cliff, but the fact that as soon as she did it, 
she turned around and looked at her son with an eerie smile. And the smile, I, I'm describing it as the smile a mother would give you when she tells you to sit down and eat, right? And you start eating and she asks you, how's the food? And clearly we all say it's good. And that mother just looks at you in content, almost as if she was satisfied with what you were doing and knowing that their own child loves their food. That's the same smile she gave after she pushed her nephew off of a cliff. That that stuck to me and it's still there to me too because that's just saying even normal people in their everyday lives can essentially have a darker side to them. That's a good example of what I want people to feel like whenever whenever I tell a story or give them give them a piece of me. Yeah, I think that's such an interesting story. Um, very, very interesting. Um, I think you said something about making wanting to pe- make people uncomfortable, but also being able to relate to the story. And that yeah. I think the horror genre, as you as you said, was is like the perfect example of that. Um, because at the end, hearing a story or, or reading a story that's a bit different than what you would expect or makes you, as you said, uncomfortable, is what yeah. are sort of the memorable ones, what sort of lasts the longest. Like, as you said, this particular um, manga that you read is like imprinted in your mind, like the smile that she, uh, she probably gave, like imprinted I can't forget it. Um, and that's exactly and that's that's because it's it made you uncomfortable um and i think that's in other genres as well whether that's reading about even just sort of normal non-horror genres i think uh when you read about topics that you don't agree with or you're uncomfortable with it you end up it ends up having um, a bigger impact on you I think you're right, too, because when you're uncomfortable, you're forced more to think about it. And like you said, you're trying to think critically about it to kind of ask yourself, like, why is this making me uncomfortable? Why am I feeling these emotions? And I think that's something, too. um, Obviously, with everything going on right now, being able to, like, be uncomfortable while listening to stories and be able to think about it is, like, more important than ever. Essentially, it forces you to look into yourself and think about what about you do you see in that person that you're so scared of or... What about did you just see actually gives you that feeling? Because there is a reason, like, why we're all scared and terrified of certain things specifically. Yeah, and also I think, too, the more you think about it, so you think about it because you're uncomfortable, that also means you're going to remember it a lot more than the things that you were able to just kind of, like, glaze over because it was easy to read. So even yeah. though I love – I'm I'm all for, like, the cheesy romance stories. Like, I, I love cliches. <laughs> but the stories I go back and recommend to other people, it's not the, like, oh, like, the boy, that girl, and everyone looked happily ever after. It's, like, the... I love, I call them like the domestic thrillers about like the suburban families gone wrong. Because those are like, some oh, of them are pretty no, messed up. So I think it's like. Black Mirror. Like Black Mirror has a lot of that. Yeah, they, honestly, they honestly. Each time because I can see myself with each one of those characters. <laughs> yeah, I, am, I read a lot. And one of my favorite authors is Leanne Moriarty. And she wrote mm-hmm. Big Little Lies, which became a Hulu miniseries. And it's about like all mm-hmm. these families who seem like perfect on the outside but they have all these like super twisted secrets and so like yeah those (laughs) stories like they definitely make you feel uncomfortable so I think in any extent whether it's a novel or a movie animation events that are happening like right now in the world around us as um, a lot of us tackle like thinking about racism and oppression I think that being uncomfortable is such an important thing to learn how to handle and I think it's really great that that you've made that a priority in your own storytelling. I think also what ties into sort of expressing that and thinking about uh, how to make the 
the either the listener or the the viewer of 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 the story you want to tell i think one of the biggest probably things are passion right because you you really want to you need to have that sort of drive to um think about what you want to say and then put it forward uh so uchena do you what do you think about passion being a perspective in um in how you tell your stories i honestly think in in my personal opinion i think that's the most important part of a story like especially if if you're telling it for a reason other than the fact that you just want to talk every time have you have you ever noticed that people love to either have people talk about them or just love to be congratulated or have people rebound off of things that they did say like mm-hmm. they go they go somewhere on the weekend and they talk about it and then everyone else is like oh wow that's so cool and they start talking about their own experiences with it it's sort of it in a way kind of validates your own experience with that and it makes it more memorable and it, you cherish that memory even more because you get to share it with other people instead of just talking solely to talk like every time i i talk to a person i try my best not to do it so i can just pass the time by or like i'm bored i want to talk to them in a sense where i want to give an important part of me to them i don't even it doesn't and i don't have to explicitly say this is so important to me that i have to tell you now it's going to be like me talking about a hobby or me talking about what i usually do or me talking about some things that i think about constantly and in a story it's very important for you to have that inside there like that little piece of you that you want the audience to kind of sift through and find so they can see how important it is to you really yeah and i think um as you said if you don't have that sort of pa- passion or drive you end up telling stories just for the sake of it right um yeah. so you end up telling stories that really in the sense that don't matter because they're not um they're not saying anything or they're they're j- they're just their sole purpose is to just be told and nothing else. Yeah, I also think it's really obvious <laughs> to when there's a lack of passion like if you're going to something might seem like good but in like a good story but then when you see or read or listen to something else that so obviously has been made with like love and passion that yeah. it really just doesn't compare um I think you can be good without it, but to be like great, you need that sense of passion. Honestly, in anything you do, not just in storytelling, but definitely oh, applies. That just it sure. makes life worth living, you know. Very true. Exactly. I wanted to ask you, Chenna, something that I really wanted to ask you was: um, so, since discovering a love for storytelling, uh, how do you how do you see it affected your own life and your own plans for the for the future? Did it play into the fact that what your choices were in college? Or, um, yeah. It changed, I, I will say, like, a, it changed the majority of what I originally planned to do with the rest of my life. Because, you know, it's everyone in high school is pressured to know what they want to do. Like, especially when it's related to college or just them finding a job. And I honestly had that sort of tunnel vision all while growing up. Like, ever since, I believe, third grade, I wanted to be a surgeon solely because they made a lot of money. And when I was younger, I heard that if you make a lot of money, you can feed your kids and your family and you'll be safe and it's it's good. You have a house. And I was just thinking, wow, I get a house and I get to protect my family. Let's be a surgeon. So, <laughs> But um, a lot of that changed when I did meet my French teacher. And he did tell me that parts of him when he were younger are definitely still there when he's older. But a lot of who he is now is changed because of these stories. I always thought of the future growing up as just 
step one, step two, step three, step four, success and nothing else, just success. And seeing it like that sort of scares me because I, I never want to be content with just one uh, portion of success in my life. And storytelling helps me one up these successes in my own way. I like to share ideas now that back when I was younger, I would have never said anything. I just would have heard people talk about it, kept it to myself. Now I hear people talk about it. I give my two cents about it. And if they give their two cents back, I still talk about why I, th- I have an opinion on their own two cents. It's like a back and forth. And that's what I, that's what I like because this, it kind of represents life itself. You know, it's not going to be some, some stagnant and static version of your life where you're just stuck in one spot forever. That's not life at all. That's just surviving. And I, I honestly want to inspire other people to like continuously one up their own successes, which forces me to do that as well. It's just, it's sort of like all of life is just one big conversation. It's never going to stay on one topic forever. And the more you stay on one topic, the duller and lifeless it gets until you're eventually forced to move on to the next one. So yeah, storytelling changes a lot about my plans, like so much. (laughs) That's awesome. I think we keep coming, like, obviously, you didn't even use the word just now, but passion, as we've talked about already, is very obvious in how it's influenced you and that you really value that. And I think that's really awesome. Um, So you're a computational media major. Did your French teacher and your finding this love of storytelling and animation influence that decision? I'm assuming it did. It did. And you see, it didn't influence it in the way you think. It didn't just say, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, I know what I want to do. It's more like it gave me something to ponder for a bit. And it stuck with me for a while until like the pieces in my life kind of fit together for me to actually know and act on what my French teacher said all the way back when I was in 11th or 12th grade. So I came in to college wanting to be a surgeon still, surprisingly, and I got into biochem first semester, did not work out how I thought it would be. And I ended up figuring out that I did not want to be a surgeon just because of money. So I switched to a different major. It was IE and at our school, it's the best program like that from the world. So I just thought it would be best for me to absolutely made no sense. I don't know why I even, I made this huge <laughs> argument with my parents and everything about it. I was, that was dumb. But um, that upcoming summer, the summer after that, that's when I actually, I sat down and I just kept thinking about what I really wanted. So I actually started talking to my French teacher again And she would tell me over and over again that my life is never going to be one thing forever. My life now is probably going to be worlds apart and different five years from now. And I can actually agree with him on that because four years from now, I wouldn't even think I'd be this kind of person who likes talking to all types of people and likes spreading things and and drawing and animating. Like animating? I never even thought I would get into that as much. But um. That summer when he when he was telling me saying that it wouldn't be the same and he told me to look deeper into the stories that I'm telling and the stories that I'm listening to and consuming, I thought I could actually put that into everyday terms for me. So I watch a lot of anime. I don't know if I've mentioned that before, but here it is. <laughs> and in anime, there's loads of different types of stories that are being told, like from different cultures and different views of life. So I took my French teacher's words and I literally sat down and I watched my favorite anime and I just looked at it and I was saying, okay, these look nice. The reason that they drew it like this is because they wanted to look nice, right? No, obviously not. The 
the director for every anime has they have an actual message that they're trying to tell you with their anime whether it be this is just for gags we're trying to laugh or this is propaganda saying that world war ii is bad or this is me saying don't study all the time make sure you get enough rest for your body like literally they they put pieces of their own self into their own works when animating and i just fell in love with it immediately when i saw anime in that sense because now i get to see these types of stories with a different lens every time i watch it which makes me think what happens if i get to make my own anime you know someday i get to make an animation and i could essentially inspire someone like i like my french teacher and these directors inspired me so i switched to computational media in an effort for me to understand that i like i love visual storytelling and that was because of animation and my french teacher how can i take these and put them into the market so I can give myself to other people on a mass appeal. So, yeah. I, I love hearing about people's sort of journeys towards what they what they end up finding. I think it's it always ends up being the most interesting stories. <laughs> but what I really what really spoke to me from that was the fact that you didn't know where you would be in four years and how uh, every year has been sort of you can't predict what be ha- what would be happening in four years and and like right now you're thinking about like. You would have never expected like four years ago that you'd be here talking about this, loving animation, being a computational media major. And that also just makes me want to ask you is, how do you think storytelling in general has changed over the years? It's it's changed a lot, but essentially it's just been recycled with different recycling machines and people. So storytelling, a lot of it back then was just through spoken word or people just using the nearest material and inscribing it on the walls. An amazing example is this. I, I cannot believe I didn't look up this cave name. But there's a cave in France where they found this primitive form of spray paint where people would take like clay, they put their hands on the wall and they put the clay over it. And essentially you could see the markings of their hand on there. And this is similar to what everybody did in school where you put your hand on a sheet of paper, you doodle around it and you call it a turkey. So <laughs> they they were able to do that all the way back then just to tell their own stories. And there were more than just hands on there too. There were people hunting down, uh, I believe it were bison, I'm not sure. There were people hunting down animals. It showed people gathering crops. It showed people dancing. They were actual, they, they drew people dancing on those walls. And one day, Pablo Picasso went over there. And when he examined this and looked at it, he said that we've invented nothing. Like, all that we have is just a mixture of things that have already been here. And how I say, I'm using air quotes when I say change, because you're just taking, you take one type of storytelling and you put it into what you've been consuming in your own lifetime. And you mix it and you're able to make your own different type of story, despite it just being pieces of something else. So I, I will say it's just been a whole lot of recycling. If you look deep into it, you can probably see that, wow, this artist was influenced by this person. That's why their geometry and their, like, the way they draw bodies looks like that. But their line work is nothing like that artist that they looked at. And it's, it, it, it's honestly mind-boggling, too. Because when I'm, I'm currently practicing my drawing skills because they, they really need improvement. And I'm far from being very good at it. And... When I, what I found out is that essentially you do have to take inspiration from multiple different artists. Because if you just look at one artist trying to make that style, you're not going to make your own style. What you're going to do is make an imitation of their own style. And what kind of story does that tell? 
it only tells the story of how you copied someone else's story to try and call it your own. Rather than you going out there, getting your feet wet, learning about all these different techniques and making your own personal story that you can feel comfortable with, all while knowing that it's unlike anyone else's out there. I think, as you said, it in a way, your way of storytelling also becomes some so, a, a sort of a signature almost as in it's entirely yeah. unique to you whether it's big variations from from people or if it's small but it ends up being some sort of a signature i know you talked about anime and i know di- like you could watch an, a show and pinpoint like which studio made it just by looking at its art style because yeah. um different studios have like a signature way of expressing how they tell their stories i know kyoto am- animation is so different than um i'm trying to think of another one uh, Sign, oh. exactly. Science. So just, I was gonna, I was just gonna say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, looking at different studios and different people and how they tell their stories, uh, I always find it interesting because, um, yeah, it ends up being a form of a unique signature almost. Yeah, it's it really is mind-boggling when I just sit down and think about it. Like one one studio of animation that I that I like actually like a lot is is Science Saru and I mean Kyoto Animation is amazing too like don't get me wrong like anyways Science Saru it it also looks great and and what they do is that they take extremely simple shapes and they tell their own story some people argue and say that oh my gosh it looks terrible because they sometimes don't draw shadows when they make their art and sometimes they don't really draw the fingers right like you can tell that they they got it and they purposely drew it like little meat loops and they put it on people's hands. They don't detail the ears sometimes. It's just an oval. But what, I, what I've learned is that, you know, it's that that's just their style. That's how they like to do things. As long as they get to send that message that they wanted with their story, who cares what the art looks like? The audience got the message. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, that's just something I want to throw in. So speaking of getting the message, to kind of shift the conversation a little bit, <laughs> I want to ask you, um, how is storytelling being used right now during during the Black Lives Matter movement? I will say a lot of it is through social media because now more than ever, people are learning a lot about how racism is still powerful and still rampant in today's society and how arguably slavery was never abolished. It just took on different forms you won't see the crack of the whip of the slave master, but you will see the drawing of red lines that take one specific people and put them in a worse scenario than another type of people. And people are learning about this very quickly because that's how social media, social media has essentially taken all these different types of storytelling that would just take a while to spread and just zoom them past you immediately. Like now we have people consuming what, like hundreds of stories in only like 20 minutes in which it's it's a great learning experience. Don't get me wrong, but it's um, but it, it's also it could it could also be an untrustworthy one in a sense because you're getting so many different stories. You could get like so many different incorrect stories. But anyways, the another way that they the storytelling is used in this movement is the recordings of police brutality because um, back when actual slavery was or like i don't even want to say actual slavery back when old-timey slavery was the thing you had there was no way to record that old massa was whipping uh kunta kinte while everybody else was trying to stop him there was no recording of that 
there was no recording of all the oppression that there was there because there that wasn't the type of storytelling that was available at the time. But now we get to see the type of oppression that is still rampant to today, and no one is like is clear from it. Sure, you could you could turn off cameras. Sure, you could stop people from doing things. But essentially, if you have the truth and it's hidden, it's never deleted. It's only underground, and it, eventually it will come up. That's I feel like that's what a lot of this movement is. A lot of this movement is all of this pent up anger and frustration and ignorance just coming up to the top where everybody gets to understand what's going on and they get to unlearn these things that they've been told. Today is Juneteenth. A lot of people before today didn't even know what Juneteenth was. They just thought it was some sort of fancy form of saying June 19th and they moved it along. It's not even a national holiday, but it was the it's the day that the last slaves in America actually found out that they were free. Two years after the Emancipation Proclamation in Texas, that means two years after Abe Lincoln signed it saying all slaves are free, there were still slaves being oppressed and having their own stories ripped away from them and having another one story plastered onto their skin, plastered onto their people, and it just... It, sometimes it does get me because nobody knew what Juneteenth was before today. But because of the advent of social media, because of how fast this movement is going, because of how widespread these stories are, people are beginning to know. And another thing about this with the plastering of other people's stories is that whenever you are told a story, always question it. Please question it always. When you hear it from one person, that's just one form of that story. And usually is from the form of the victors, the form that history favors. There are still people out there that do not believe the Holocaust existed, which still boggles my mind. Because when I'm in school and I learn about the Holocaust, I think, wow, that's bad. Like, oh my gosh, Hitler's like the worst person ever. I'm never, that's stuff like that's never going to happen again. There are still concentration camps out there. There are Muslims in concentration camps right now. People think all of this stuff is over and that we're in a post-racial world and that everything's fine because America's the greatest country and that everyone else should go. No, that's not, that's not what storytelling is. Essentially, one of the bad things about storytelling, I will say, is that you are getting the perspective of the person who's making the story and history tends to favor the victors. So whenever you do hear a story, please question it. Whenever you listen to the news, please question it and listen to someone else. Listen to both sides. And don't let that narrative or the entire story be lost. Thank you for saying all of that. You just made some very, very important points. Um, and that's why it's more important than ever to listen and amplify Black voices right now. So, Chenna, thank you for being on our podcast and saying everything you just said. And also, just we've said it before on the podcast, and we'd like to say it again, that TEDx Georgia Tech does stand with the Black Lives Matter movement. And we encourage everyone to listen to those Black voices that are telling their stories, stories that haven't been given the platform they deserve because of white supremacy and oppression. So thank you for saying all of that and um, helping us use our platform. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks. It, it does mean a lot to me that you all are actually doing at least something towards all of this. Because the worst thing you all can do is two things, either change the narrative and throw people off track or do nothing, which you all are doing neither, which is great. <laughs> we are doing our best right now. Um, <laughs> we know it's not perfect, but we are doing what we can to continue moving forward and support and as much and the best way possible. 
So this transition isn't going to be as smooth um, coming off of that, <laughs> but kind of gearing back to storytelling just in general, um, what advice do you have for aspiring storytellers? I will say, I will say, um, even while you're telling stories, even before you start doing anything major with your storytelling, pay close attention to why you're actually doing it. We all have different motivators for spreading pieces of ourselves to people and understanding why we're giving that to those people. But do you all really understand why you're giving these stories? Are you giving the stories because someone told you to? Are you giving the stories because you're sad? The reason is it may not always be a bad one because bad is subjective when it comes to that. But you should just understand what you're doing with your story and why you're telling it. Like a lot of poets, they they take inspiration from grief and sadness. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing to only be sad when you tell your story, but look deeper into it. Why is it that you get sad and you feel like this to give such amazing stories and works of art? Uh, another piece of advice is to never stop improving because if you start telling your stories in any form possible, I mean, television, film, animation, visual design, even just regular posters, you getting a sticky note, putting it on a wall, don't stop improving. Innovate your craft every single day. Like, even if it's a little bit of ambition, like instead of you drawing one line, you're going to draw two lines in that place. You have to understand that if you make your story stagnant, no one will pay attention to it because it will just be the same thing over and over and over again. And your messages can change when you tell your story. That's, that's good. But just understand that the how that you're doing it is what you need to improve. Because as a person, you're never going to stop growing. So why would you let your art stop growing, especially if it's an extension of who you are? You brought <laughs> up um, something I, I, I think, at least a new perspective, perspective for me is, I think storytelling, when you look at it, most people think, oh, storytellers tell too. It, or storytelling is for other people in the sense that you're focusing on telling the story in order to to get it across to the other party, whoever, the listeners, right? Um, and yeah. I think a perspective that you brought that I didn't think about is how important it is to look within yourself before telling a story and how much that has an impact in the actual action of storytelling. So um, before you tell a story, like look inside of you, like pay close attention to your motivations, like improve yourself, hone your craft. And I think, at least for me, I found it very interesting because I never thought of it in that sense that as I think Aaliyah worded it, uh, something like this before, but how mutually beneficial it is. It's not only for the people you're telling the story to, but you're also uh, learning a lot about yourself through the whole process. Right. Another piece of advice I'll give is that you should take advice from people that know more about your craft. Nine times out of ten, they've been in the game longer than you, so they know certain things that you all don't. So if you want to improve, please understand that there are people that know more and that they have things that you don't, in which if you want to get better, listen to them. And lastly, don't compare yourself, like ever. That can be for any any um, virtue of life. I can't, I can't find any piece of my life where I'd say, congratulations on comparing yourself. You are bad at this, but that person is good. Therefore, you, all got, you just got to keep beating that one person. I can't find one piece of my life where it's structured around that, because you... You could either get envious of that person or you could even start, you can start hating your own craft, which is the last thing anyone would want you to do. You need to 
go at your own pace. Understand that when you take advice from other people, you shouldn't take it as them looking down on you, unless they literally are. You don't have to pay attention to them then. But you should take take it take a lot of it with a grain of salt and don't just don't feel like when somebody's doing better that you also have to be doing at that exact same level. One of my um favorite quotes of all time, I heard it from another podcast host and they were quoting someone else, so there's no way I'm gonna be able to give credit, but it was comparison is an act of violence against yourself. And that's really stuck with me because you're only hurting yourself by um, comparison because no one, you're so right, Utena, that no one has the same experience, no one has the same background, no one has the same skills. And also, why do you want to be that? Like, you want to be your own person because you're going to bring, even though it, it might not be the same as someone else. And if you're ranking it in some ways, yeah, it might not be quite as good, but in other ways it can be so, so much better. Um, so I agree that that is such a good piece of advice in all aspects of life as well, especially in storytelling. I was also wondering, I mean, you said you're uh, an animator, right? Or at least beginning um, the life as an animator. Um, yeah. So do you, have all, do you also have um, advice for aspiring uh, animators? Yes. The number one thing I will tell you right now, and like not a lot of people, I, I, I mean, people know this, but a lot of people that start getting into it do not know this. You need to go in and fail as much as possible. Like you need to go, if you make the, if you make some like perfect straight lines, you need to look for that one little crookedness in that line and understand why you did that. You need to essentially make as many mistakes as possible because you get to learn how to improve when you look at and see what's wrong in that picture there. Rather than making something and thinking that it's the best thing in the world and that you never need to improve, it is essentially selling yourself short and you are doing something bad to your own craft. If you don't, if you don't look at it in like a, in a critical way, you won't be able to improve ever. So make as many mistakes as possible because you learn from those in order to get better. And as for the, the industry, Animation is like a, it's a team thing. So even when people say freelance animation, they're all, they always have someone else. They have, they have another person there that either to get sound from or to get inspiration from, or some other person that's funding them. It's a team process. It's a whole clock and you are just one cog in that little clock. I like the Incredibles, like all the mesh together, but um, you need to, if you want to get into the industry, know exactly what position you want to get in that studio and you have to have like a good portfolio for it. So for example, if you want to be a storyboard artist at um, say DreamWorks, you need to understand, okay, what about the storyboard are you going to do? Are you going to be working on the setting? Because then you need to have a whole lot of wide shots where you can have say like my bedroom here, or you can have trees outside, or you can have references to a canyon if you're working on a show where they're taking place in a desert. You need to know exactly what you want to work at and then you just go up from there because nobody ever gets into the industry and says, I'm a director. I want to work as a director. Hire me as a director because directors even started at somewhere small and specific where they worked up so that they're able to get their stories out there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I honestly not me being not uh, an aspiring animator. I think that's great advice for honestly anyone uh, sort of sitting down with yourself and having a conversation with yourself about what you would like essentially and just striving and trying your best to to achieve that in the sense. I think to sort of from 
the whole conversation we've had. You've definitely, I think, are one of the most inspiring people uh, because you've definitely uh, found your way through sort of the murkiness of uncertainty in the sense that you've searched and found uh, your passions and your um, and your hobbies, whether that's through your major or through your hobbies or um, just overall what you've what you've done, and that's for me at least very inspiring. So I was wondering to ask you what you had advice for others who are also sort of in the in the murkiness right now, trying to find their passions or or even just a new hobby. Now, well, even speaking of that murkiness, like I may know a lot of what I want right now, but even at that, that's. I could possibly want something tomorrow. It's never going to be one set straight thing for a lot of people. And I, I have, I found a lot of what I like, but I, I, there are some days where I feel like that, Hey, maybe something's missing from here and that I'm just not looking around enough or, Hey, maybe I need to go look at these other things. And to some people that those may seem like distractions, but you should actually look into it and understand that, you have your entire life to understand what you are truly passionate about and understand what kind of hobbies you want to take on. And it's going to take a long time. If you've tried every single sport at your school in an attempt to know that, try every single sport and be okay with making mistakes again because you can learn to improve them. But at the same time, also know that it is okay if you don't like any of them. You know, it's a... it's a huge, it's like a long tug of war that you'll be having with yourself for a very long time because there's so much out there to do. And each person as an individual is so much different from everybody else. So um, also don't, don't look at someone else and think that just because they're good at doing that, that maybe you can also be good at that as well, if that makes sense. I don't know if I worded that correctly, but I just, just understand that when you when you're finding something that you're passionate about, you should understand that it is about you and you only, like regardless of what anyone else is saying, regardless of what anyone else around you is doing. Finding passion is about finding yourself and only you can define what that really is, which is why it takes a long time. And it's, it's also, it's never too late to try something new. Even if you're 60 years old and you want to try out Pilates, you go for it, fam. You, you go, you get them, go get them. <laughs> I think that's really good advice. I know I've definitely been hesitant to try out different hobbies just because, like, not from fear of, like, not liking them. Or I honestly, like, consider myself someone that doesn't, like, care that much what other people think. But then I find myself, like, oh, if I'm going to tell someone this, like, are they going to think it's, like, weird or dorky? Like, I love scrapbooking, and I'm very proud of it. But every now and then I'll mention it to someone, and I'm like, oh, are they going to think I'm, like, like, such a like, seven-year-old grandma because I love scrapbooking. But, like, no, I like it. I bring joy from it. And anyone else, like, that doesn't think that, like, I could not care less. Exactly, because they're not living your passion. You are. (laughs) Yeah, I don't care if you don't like scrapbooking. Like, it's not – I admit, it's definitely not for everyone. But – and I think, too, that um, hobbies, like, people need to remember and passions just in general, not just, like, the little hobbies, but passions and careers, they need to be for you, not for someone else. Yeah. So I think that was really good advice. Yeah, I think for my my big takeaway was definitely uh, not being afraid to try something out for the first time. Because that's, I mean, that it sounds very simple to say, but that's that's essentially how you find your hobbies or how you find your your new passions. If you if you don't try something out uh, out, then you know you're not you're not going to find it. 
And I like the example where you said that if you haven't, like, ask yourself, have you tried every sport in your school? Like, don't, like, don't leave an, uh, a stone unturned. Like, even if you have one sport left, like, try it out. Sure, you yeah. haven't, like, the last five, but there's still a chance that you'll, you'll like the sixth one. I like that a lot because uh, it's hard, I think, trying things out for the first time and um, turning out to not like them. But uh, I mm. think having the resilience to keep trying, um, you'll you know, by a chance, end up finding, um, end up finding something. So that, for me, that was a really good advice that I definitely took away. And also, like, worst case scenario, you hate it. Like, exactly. <laughs> and you, like, lost an hour of your life or whatever. Like, I went, I tried a Zumba class. Another thing I was kind of worried people would be like, oh my gosh, are you, like, a seven-year-old woman? Um, maybe I kind of am, like, at heart. But, um, so me and my friend went and tried it, and I was like, you know what? Worst case, I've wasted, like, an hour total, like, walking to the CRC and back. And, even then, I would have still gotten, like, a little bit of exercise, but I really, like, ended up liking it. So even if you're scared to try something, kind of ask yourself, like, okay, well, even if I don't like it, like, what am I really losing? Yeah, and it's it's also, it's better to know, like, what you don't like rather than what exactly you like, because now you're just getting closer to what you can actually like. So it's, you know, it's not all loss. That's so true. So I think that's a great motivational note to end um, this conversation on. So I just want to say thank you, Jenna, for joining us. I think you gave some, thank you for sharing your stories with us um, and your advice. We really appreciate it. Thank you all for hosting this. Like, this is amazing. (laughs) Thank you. Our favorite part is obviously talking with our guests. So we really appreciate you being on. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. So to wrap up this episode about storytelling, we want to share some recommendations with y'all from Black storytellers. So this first recommendation is a book I read about a year ago. It is called The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. It is also a movie, so if reading's not your thing, I also recommend the movie. It is the story of a Black girl who her best friend, she is with him when he is killed by a cop after being pulled over and it is so it's that story and all the aftermath and it is an incredibly powerful read or watch from the movie and i highly recommend it i would like to recommend a book called uh, americana by uh, chimamanda ngozi adichie and it's told in the perspective of a young nigerian woman uh, named ifa melu and she immigrates to the united states to attend university and to on its basis the whole uh, novel's a love story between her and uh, her high school classmate, Obinize, who immigrates to the UK. So personally, why I love this book is because of Ifemelu. She's an incredible voice, very strong, and you get to see a lot of perspectives without uh, without it being handed to you in the sense that you see it through her eyes and you sort of make up your own mind uh, around it. So beautifully written book, changed my perspectives a lot about a lot of things. So highly, highly recommend it. So these last two recommendations, I we neither of us have actually read them yet, but we are adding them to our lists to read um, after seeing them going around on lists um, of resources from um, Black Voices, and so we want to recommend them to you all as well. And the first one is called The Children of Blood and Bone by Tommy Ediemi, and this is a fantasy story that is based on the summary I read. It's about this magical group that is oppressed for their abilities and so we recommend it i'm actually look at it in front of me because i'm planning on reading it very soon and 
So that's our first recommendation, and then, or I guess our third one, first of the ones we have not read. And then our last one is called Between the World and Me by Tanahasi Coates. And it is a nonfiction book. It is written as a letter from Tanahasi to his son about his experience living as a black man in America. So I've this is another book I'm planning on reading as well. And so we encourage y'all to check out these recommendations as well as other recommendations because I know that there are a million of those going around social media right now so that we can continue listening to Black Voices to educate ourselves because education is the first step to action, um, tangible action, so that we can make change to make the world a better place. So thanks y'all for listening. Um, We appreciate all feedback. So rate us and leave a review and look out for our next episode next week. To stay up to date on all things TEDx Georgia Tech, follow us on social media. Find us on Instagram at TEDx Georgia Tech and on Facebook and LinkedIn. And lastly, TEDx Georgia Tech is an independently organized licensed chapter of TED. TED is an organization devoted to giving a platform to ideas worth sharing. The views expressed here are not necessarily views TED holds or supports and are curated by TEDx Georgia Tech. Special thanks to our guest, Uchenna Godwin 04 today, edited by Netro Gandhi and Tina Tusi, produced by Raj Shankar, written and hosted by Leah Leg and Megumi Gupta. Thanks everyone for listening and join us next week.